Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Jason Lynette, who's a cert- certified hypnotist, and we're talking sales today. We're not talking about hypnotizing your customers, but we are talking about the power of using the right wording, the right phrasing, and ultimately influencing your customers in an ethical, moral way to drive them closer towards trusting you, and more importantly, knowing that you have the right answer and the right solution that they need. I love this episode. It was incredible incredibly insightful conversation. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Now, wherever you are in your business, I want to talk about a subject that is a source of angst for many of us. And yet, when we seem to unlock this, we seem to figure it out, it can become pretty empowering. I want to talk about sales today. More importantly, I want to talk about how can you sell more simply by changing the way you communicate with your customers, the way you talk about your products and services, the way that you um, instill a sense of belief and possibility in the people that you're selling to. I want to get away from technical and away from platforms and products and all these different things that people have probably tried to sell you to get you to sell more and instead get you thinking about what can I say differently and communicate differently to get people excited about what I'm offering. We're going to be talking about that exactly today. Jason Lynette is joining me. He is someone who has 10 years experience as a certified hypnotist, probably the most interesting person in terms of past careers that I've had on the podcast. And he's joining today to talk about sales communication and all the amazing things he's doing with his clients. Jason, it's great to have you on the show today. Blake, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, it is. we're recording this right now. It's about uh, 10, 11 days into the new year. How is your 2022 going? Yeah, I'd say going strong. And in many ways, you know, there's always the thought process of the business owner of, I put things into one of two categories of more of the same, and then the scale up strategies. So we always have to kind of find that balance between keeping the stuff that's running and working to still continue running and working, as well as there's a bit of playful language that I bring to this of a positive dissatisfaction. (laughs) (laughs) That of looking at what's working, but asking the question, how can I level that up? How can I improve upon that? How can I bring that to a new audience? So uh, the last uh, week and a half or so, what are we? Yeah, week and a half that we've been into this now has been, you know, keeping things running as well as continuing to finesse the communication and the outreach as well. I love how you frame that, that positive um, dissatisfaction, so to speak, of because uh, you know, as entrepreneurs, we can be pretty hard on ourselves, and especially you know, we do live in a social media culture where everyone is constantly blaring their achievements and their latest revenue numbers. And um, you know, I think some people are—I don't know how 
honest they're being, but you know, you'll see people who say things like, you know, yeah, I was uh, working my nine to five and I quit, and you know, thirty days later, I'm a millionaire. Like things like this, that um, which all the more power to people like that. But I think for many of us as entrepreneurs, it is this time of year that we get simultaneously excited about the restart of the new year. And then it's tempting, I think, to beat ourselves up and oh, I'm not where I want to be yet. Oh, I, you know, the business isn't where I thought it would be. And, you know, can I really make these things happen? So I, I appreciate how you communicated that, how you phrased that. Well, I tell a quick story around this too, which would be that yes, we can hear that story of the instant rags to riches. And I had a hobby of doing close-up sleight of hand magic as a teenager. And in that world, there's a principle called the too perfect theory, that if the magic tricks looks too perfect, it's almost too unbelievable that you don't believe anything ever actually happened. Mm -hmm. It's this odd thing that if I had a red ball in my hand and you stared at it and suddenly it turned blue, that'd be amazing. But because nothing happened other than it changed colors, you'd be thinking, wait, was it actually red to begin with? Yeah, yeah. there's no way. Yeah. This defies logic, but if I then covered it up and that's when it changed, yeah. even though it's not as pure of a magical effect, it's actually a better magical effect as a result. So it's that awareness of balancing this level of, let's call it just integrity, as well as, let's say, appropriate vulnerability, but also yeah. our job as a communicator is to reach down like the arcade game with the claw and kind of pull the nugget out of it. So I've learned over time, as an example, one part of my backstory is coming from a family where everybody was an entrepreneur. And the idea of launching your own business and letting that be your lifestyle design wasn't too out of the ordinary. Yes, I went in a very different direction than everyone else. And it's not to say that I had one specific leg up or advantage in terms of it, other than the fact of I didn't grow up with this constant dialogue of, yeah, but most small businesses fail or it's going to be slow your first year. And because, what's the word I can use here? Because I was too ignorant to know that that was a premise, <laughs> I never fell prey to that belief system. And anybody who's listening to this can hear that and go, well, what would happen differently if that wasn't part of the belief system? And quite simply, all it leaves behind is, taking action, holding yourself accountable, and going for the result you want to create. And it doesn't matter whether your story is similar to mine or not. We can model that mindset to go, well, it's not that it's, you know, there's a mindset that I often teach inside of trainings to go, remember folks, it's only a mistake if you say whoops. <laughs> Instead, it's an opportunity to go, well, what can I now do with this? And sure. any of us at any stage in our game can always keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit, you know, I, you just mentioned your trainings just a moment ago. Um, I gave sort of uh, my introduction on you. Go into the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you are doing. Yeah. So the focus of what I do now, we'll kind of dance, I'm sure, back and forth between origin story and what I focus on nowadays. The end result, most of what I spend my time doing now is working with coaches, working with consultants and course creators. And there's a lot of overlap of those terminologies I found, uh, helping them to make use of the secrets of hypnotic influence for business and how they can strategically apply that to their sales communication. So it's always about premium sales. And this is never about tricking or manipulating people. It's instead about structuring the communication in such a way 
so that your ideal audience wants more from you even before you make the offer. And part of the backstory explains this better than anything else, which is that I had this fascination around hypnosis. And someone came to my college, did one of the stage hypnosis shows, and I bought all the wrong books to try to learn it. I thought I was (laughs) learning the entertainment stuff and I was buying all the hypnotherapy stuff, but I still read it all. I then took hypnotherapy trainings to learn how it works. And I was the smart aleck going, I'm not going to do this therapy junk. And then that's all I did for the next dozen years. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So the result though, was I never again had the premise that it had to be difficult to launch the business. So I made the decision. I followed through. I made it happen. And the hypnosis industry is a very, very small community, it turns out. And I was invited to give lectures as to what's working now in terms of client acquisition and the marketing, the promotion. And what happened, the turning point was here's a moment where I had a client. She was a medical doctor who had a fear of public speaking. And there's a long history of resolving fears by way of hypnotherapeutic techniques. And so we work on the fear and it's the second appointment. And very clearly she had been watching other stuff of mine online beyond the work with me one-to-one for a personal change. She shows up to the second appointment with this printed document, which is her presentation. And she's going, could you look at this? I watched your video about how to stack your message. What am I missing? I'm like, well, you hired me for personal change. She goes, I know, but I'll also feel more confident if I know my words are actually effective. And Blake, in a matter of seconds, it's this moment of, okay, well, here's this amazing story. You need to open with that. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what invitation, what offer you're trying to give the audience. Let's clean that up. And in the comedy world, they call it punch up of taking the message and refining the delivery, refining the stories, the metaphors, the transitions that are inside of it. And what I discovered is as a lot of my work began to focus on people that I understood, business owners, entrepreneurs, whether they were in the the startup or the scale-up phase of things, the fear of the public speaking would then be gone. And yet it left behind a secondary issue of they were now the deer in the headlights in front of the audience because they didn't know how to structure their message in such a way to create impact and get the end result. They were about to write for their websites or whatever promotional materials, whether it's the websites or social. And again, it was the blank screen of death. And what I show people how to do is how to make the, how to stack the ethical influence principles in such a way to take the guesswork out, but also craft that narrative. So we're bringing people along a journey and appropriately and ethically embed the sales dialogue and sales journey inside the communication. So as much as this is a sales training that I do, it's about creating the premise where we don't have to sell by the time we get to that decision point. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fascinating, first of all, because I think, I think myself included, I think everyone's looking to sell more and figure out how to sell better. And I'm sure you come across this as well. Many of us as entrepreneurs aren't natural salespeople. You know, it's it, there's a passion, there's a creativity, there's an ambition around a skill set or something that we want to give to people, and it's like, oh yeah, and I want to get paid for it too. But like the salesmanship doesn't always come naturally, and I think people are looking for that way to sell 
more or more effectively in a way that is ethical and moral and honest and what have you. Uh, so I appreciate you mentioned that. And it's it's interesting also listening to your story, how exciting it is. You know, you started in one place and then this other opportunity kind of came along like, oh, hey, can you read this? And then it was such a intrinsic fit that it became its own separate, like this is now what you do for a living. Um, I think that happens a lot in entrepreneurship where just like, you know, something comes along and it's like, oh, this actually gels really well with what I'm doing. And it's not necessarily what I envisioned, what I thought I was originally going to be doing. Cause you that's could- one of the, that's one of the favorite things of all of this that, you know, I'd imagine that even like with this program that you do, this probably wasn't on the hit list of goals a whole bunch of years ago. It's something that naturally developed and it's where the old metaphor is that uh, we have two ears and one mouth and our communication ought to be respective of that at times. And it's by listening to that audience, hearing what they need and, you know, really working towards satisfying that end result. I, I got one of the best business lessons ever. Uh, this had to have been 2013 or 2014, I believe, where here was a workshop that I was convinced everyone needs this. And Blake, we spent all sorts of money. We spent all sorts of time producing videos, getting a nice website built to then have one person sign up for that event, (laughs) which even better, I ended up not even doing it. I made them an irresistible offer to go, hey, so we could do this or um, it's a destination event. We can do this another time and you can enjoy this location. Or this was something tacked on at the end of a conference my friend Michael's doing a cool training. I'll give you lifetime access to this product of mine. You can go to his class. And she goes, oh, it was between this one and that one. That's amazing. And then yeah, I yeah. stay off with my family. Yeah, yeah. The lesson was ask. And so I did a bit of a survey with my audience and I found out what their specific pain points were. And your child is a lot younger than mine, but do you know what Mad Libs are? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Isn't that where it, it's like the gibberish and like you read it out and you're trying to like, I'm thinking of Mad Gab, which yeah. was Mad Libs. Mad, Mad Libs <laughs> is you can find this in any convenience store. The premise of it was that um, you'd have a page that was mostly blank and write the name of a now, write the name of an animal that lives in a jungle, name a piece of furniture that would not be in a jungle, name an odd food that people don't usually like. And you would write monkey and sofa and Limburger cheese. And then you turn the page <laughs> and you had to then plug those words into this sort of template. Yeah. Story yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. hilarity ensues. Yeah. Um, if you have an eight-year-old son, like I do, they put in all the same <laughs> words that they think are dirty, but are just not quite there yet. Yeah, but, yeah. Again, <laughs> but again, polling the audience, doing the survey, and then writing the influential content mm-hmm. around that. And the end result was I saw that here's a specialty that I had, and this is one of those biggest takeaways for people. The stuff that you think is the easiest thing you do is someone else's very specific pain point. And suddenly it launched a whole new market of offering this other event, which the end result was we capped that event at 30 people at a high ticket dollar amount, sold it out in a matter of days. And then that created a lot of momentum moving forward. Similar to here's the doctor working with me one-to-one. And it's that balance between what she thought she wanted and what it turned out she really needed. 
which is where the journey was. This has been a training I've done live and in person for seven, eight years running now, and it's only the last couple of years, turning it into online community, group consulting environment where people can then elevate each other and get ongoing support as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so great listening to your story because, and I don't mean this in a rude way, it just, it seems so obvious in hindsight, like, yeah. like what you're doing now, it's like, oh, what you would, why would you be doing anything else? Right. But like when you're an, when you're an entrepreneur and you're in it, it's almost like, um, I don't know. I think of like being in a cave and you have like a flashlight and like, you're kind of like getting a lay of the land a little bit. And like, that seems like the start of the entrepreneurial journey and kind of like what you said, like towards me of like, you know, you're probably not doing what you originally was on your list. And you're, you're absolutely right. What I envisioned was totally different than what I do now. And I, I think that is a bit of what we all go through as entrepreneurs is finding like those sweet spots where it clicks. And then other people are saying what I'm saying, which is like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's such a such an obvious fit for you. That's such an obvious thing that that you do well. Um, do you feel like people always have the patience for that? Or do you think the people you, since you do are talking to, uh, excuse me, since you're talking to all sorts of consultants and coaches, um, I imagine you have a handful who are impatient and ready and thinking like, I want to just like make it happen now. I want it to click now. I mean, how do you, how do you help them see like the whole journey? There's two sides of that. I'd say that, you know, the, the idea of passive income, I want to respect to Ron Popeil. I want to set it and forget it and have this thing. I want to have the sales page. I want to have the automated webinar and just watch the sales roll in, which is very much possible. And I'd always go back to a funny moment in my history, which was that there was an organization I briefly partnered with, and this is like 10 years ago. Um, the young, fresh face in the industry wanted me to be the poster child of the message that online education is bad. Hmm. And uh, I refused to be a part of that message. And the statement was, well, I didn't want to be the guy like the uh, music agent who was saying, yeah, guitar groups are going out of style. Let's not sign the Beatles. Mm -hmm. How did that turn out for that person? And instead, when you ask better questions, you get better answers. So let's look at what many of us had to do in the last couple of years as here came global pandemic and people had to get more creative. This goes to the core of what you were bringing up there, which is this assumption that this is the way everyone else does it. Therefore, I need to do it the same way as well. Mm -hmm. And rather than look at anything and go, well, what can't I do in this format? Right. Well, if I'm going to do it online, what can't I do? Change the question. What might I be able to do better? Right. And that gets a different answer. So I bring that up in terms of, let's say, the immediacy you brought up there, which is random Netflix recommendation for everybody listening right now. Go track down the documentary Comedian with Jerry Seinfeld, and you see him after the TV show has gone off the air. Workshop a new routine for the course of the next year because he can't just go on HBO and get paid millions of dollars to just try new stuff out. Yeah. And at his level of fame, whether you like his brand of comedy or not, at his level of fame, um, you don't want to pay 300 bucks for the ticket to see him with the yellow pad and go, let's see if this one's funny. <laughs> and in that documentary, true story, the camera pans to the audience for like a split second. And there I was. 
Oh, wow. uh, we were there seeing someone else and just, he shows up and he just crashes the club and goes, can I do 15 minutes? And of course they say, yes. Yeah, yeah, please. (laughs) And he was, he was not good that night. Oh, (laughs) and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, because he like halfway through one routine, he's crossing something out and saying, well, that's not going on HBO. Uh, (laughs) But then you see the end result. So I bring this up as a bit of a, let's say artistic metaphor because what we do begins active Mm -hmm. and that's where we're doing our testing. That's where we're getting our real time feedback as to if I structure my headline this way, it gets a response. If I do it this way, it's met with digital crickets and no one responds. Yeah. If I open up my video this way and I'm using some fancy software that can track the video views. Oh, look at that. They logged off 15 seconds in. Yeah. Versus example from earlier, I moved the story to this location and I embedded these specific story metaphor strategies inside of it. Wow. They watched the entire video and they actually opted in. Mm -hmm. So that active phase is one that we don't want to skip over. I have to go back to in living color in the 1990s. The longer we chat, the more obscure my references get, by the way. (laughs) Um, And there was a sketch, Jim Carrey and David Allen Greer. Um, and it was about like the telephone 900 number psychics that were kind of popular briefly in the nineties. And it's the Jim Carrey character going, my psychic told me I'd win the lottery and quit my job today. I quit my job. I'm halfway there. <laughs> it's like, well, there's a, there's a few steps that are yeah, missing yeah. here. So yeah. it's by proving, let's say market viability and those active strategies. That's where we see, Hey, this is what my audience responds to. Mm-hmm. And that's where we can begin to automate And that's where eventually we want to be kind of like the work that I know you do in terms of helping people with the systems and the processes, Uh but it's where the market testing of putting the message out there, this is the benefit of we get real closest thing we have to an open mic night as business owners, Facebook live, Instagram live, YouTube stuff where we get real time feedback where people are voting with their clicks and dollars. And it goes back to a time where I was on stage. And I forgot where I was in my presentation and what kind of jumbled text fell out of my mouth was it's like that moment where, you know, your business can change people's lives, but you don't yet have the right words to inspire them to take action. Right. And I felt the room lean in. Yeah. And I had to go, oh, let's do that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I again, obvious in hindsight, already was, and just going, let's build the system so people can find this, people can see the value, and they see the way to join. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's even that statement alone from your story is empowering because I think again, many of us as entrepreneurs, like we resonate with that of like I and and maybe some of it's pride, like so maybe some of it's like I, I just want to be, you know, I want to will my way into the lifestyle that I want, but for the majority of us. It is this sense of I know the what is there, like I know the the abilities there, but I don't know how to make it work. I don't know what it's supposed to look like. Um, so yeah, that, it's quite empowering what you're talking about. And I also appreciate your comment on feedback. It seems like you know, it, and I apologize to you. I'm not trying to make you know your insights seem simple. Uh, but this is the power of the podcast is these things that are, it's like, okay, yeah, if I can just dig into that, it can transform my business. But talking to your customers, getting feedback from your customers, which Mm -hmm. is something that I've seen play out one of three ways. 
one, someone does that really well. And it's like your story that you built something that no one wanted. And then you leaned in and realized, oh, this is what people want. And it caught fire and it was amazing. Um, or then two or three to, you know, someone says, well, they get feedback. That's not what they want. And they say, well, that's not the business that I'm, right. that's not the business I envision creating. Or uh, worse, let's go to the comedy example. Um, oh, they don't understand it. Exactly. Like, well, no, your, you your job get it. is to yeah, yeah. explain it. And one of the most frustrating moments that any business owner can find themselves in is exactly that situation. Here's this person in front of you. You know you can help them. You understand the pain, the problem they're currently dealing with. And yet there's this disconnect of how do we, the yeah. phrase is, how do we get them appropriately into that buyer's pocket where they're realizing they need to reach beyond themselves to make this happen because they don't yet have the skill set on their own, which is why they need to hire the expert. Right. And it's where this will send shells up some spines, I'm sure. You start to hear the pattern of, wow, that sounds really interesting. I'm sure a lot of people find benefit of that. And it's this praising that's being heard. And what that means is you've made the message a little too much about yourself mm. and not specifically to what's important to the other person. Yeah. The old phrase of everyone's favorite radio station, WIIFM, what's in it for me? Yeah. And making it important to that individual, calibrating to that person who's there. It's where as we break down exactly what we mean by hypnotic influence for business, it's got to happen in four steps. Phase one is about that emotional intelligence, how we carry ourselves, how we react to the world around us, how we react to our own thoughts. Because if you can't yet influence yourself, how can you ever expect you can be able to influence others? Once we have that foundation, now we can move into calibration, which is about dealing the relationships, the connections to other people, though a bit more specifically into the emotional structure as to how people produce change, how people shift their own thinking. And, and as much as what I do focuses on specific hypnotic language hacks, that has to come later in the system of things. Because now that we have the internal representations, now that we have the communication structure, now we can put the actual language in motion. And then once that's understood, then it becomes, let's put it into specific application, whether it's the high ticket phone process, whether it's writing for a website, social media writing, even working with people who are already your clients and getting more consistent testimonials, mm -hmm. more consistent referrals, when, where, and why to plug these principles in. Though it's the unfortunate, I love that you brought up pride there because that's often where people get stuck. And this is the lesson of being able to step back and just observe mm. and listen and mm -hmm. get that real-time feedback. Yeah. Because even back to um, even back to the segment of my career, which was focused on working primarily with people for personal change, one-to-one -one client sessions as the hypnotist. I go back to this one day where I had seven people in a row. And one day, it was a bit of a marathon schedule. We called it BC, before children, uh, <laughs> where I had seven people who were all in for the goal of quitting smoking. And just as a side note, it doesn't matter for this conversation <clears throat> whether you believe in hypnosis or not, uh, because it's no longer a matter of belief. 
Check out scholar.google.com. Type in the word hypnosis. Tens of thousands of peer-reviewed studies pop up. Research around the neurology of the brain. We're in a category of now understanding this is how it works and this Mm. is what it's effective for. Just the skill set of the individual is the efficacy of the process. But Blake, it's this one day where everybody came in with a different set of reasons why they wanted to affect that change. And, you know, some of them were a little bit more standard as in, here's this health concern. Here's this thing that happened. Here's Mm -hmm. this upcoming surgery. Here's why it's now important to me. I had two people that day that changed a lot of what I do or did back then. Uh, One was only 22 years old. And unfortunately for that goal, too many were at the point of it being too late and they were mid forties, fifties and such making this decision. This guy was a lifeguard and uh, never put on sunscreen and with the skin cancer diagnosis, saw it as a bit of a wake up call to go, let me get everything else in better order at this point. Sure. And I mean, even he leaned in 22 years old goes, and you and I know this has nothing to do with cigarettes. This has been my crutch for everything in life, whether I was happy, frustrated, angry, I was bored or whatever. I need to get rid of this automatic need to escape and instead really invest myself in my own life and fully live and enjoy it. Yeah. I'm like, let me write that down for myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then just for the anecdote, the last one was the opposite of, um, we'll shorten the story. Uh, it became the only time I've ever done hypnotherapy by spouting back conspiracy theories at somebody because he was convinced that the people who invest their money to keep the cigarette companies running really have their money invested in the pharmaceutical companies producing the stuff that doesn't work to help people to quit. And that's how they're trying to take his money away, the whole 1% movement. Yeah. And um, I've never done that session before and I've never done it since. <laughs> so I, I share this because yeah. the preconceived notion, we... We fall into that pattern of pride because I know what I'm doing. This is what people need, but it's that relationship. It's that communication with others. And it's where over time we can start to automate once we see some of the recognizable patterns. So much of this is based upon modeling effective strategies. But again, it's that journey of listening, calibrating, and Mm -hmm. then putting influential patterns. in. It it seems like also like the journey of entrepreneurship is about also realizing the power of what you sell being being about them, like the customer you're serving rather than, you know, a means to fueling your own lifestyle, which, which my listeners know this, but I'll say this even now, you know, nothing wrong with, with getting paid for what you do. In fact, make, I hope you make loads of money for what you offer to the world, but it does seem like the ones who are able to better um, acclimate themselves to the feedback loop are the ones who realize at the end of the day, I'm here to serve someone else. I'm here to provide something to someone else. And um, therefore, when they give me hard feedback or challenging feedback, it's a lot easier to swallow because I realize it's, it is for them rather than you know, for my own ego or, you know, you know, I, and I, by the way, I love what you said, cause I've, I've heard this myself a thousand times. Uh, you just didn't get it, you know, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's just not for you. You know, you're not my customer. And it's like, well, you know, you said 30 something year old podcast hosts, but okay. You know, <laughs> so but yeah. there is, there's a yes. And inside of that. So yes, there's the, get the feedback. Yes. There's the become flexible, 
though, because, and I'd imagine more so because one part of my audience comes from a therapeutic background and um, we've all now heard of imposter syndrome. There's this other side neighbor to that of savior syndrome that because I'm helping people, I feel uncomfortable charging a professional fee for that. Absolutely. Right. And uh, I forget whose quote this is, but the world is an expensive place to live in. And the reality is the more value you put into the world, the more value you can likely receive back, which gives you an ongoing ability to reach a bigger audience and create even greater impact. Though I, I bring this up, and they might be listening to this, because there's one segment of my audience that just the fact that I talk about sales, there's a there's a red X on my face. Interesting. Okay. Just because I'm the guy talking about money, which if they were to actually listen to anything, this is my stand up and be proud moment. If they were actually <laughs> to listen, they would hear how everything begins with the service mindset. Everything sure. comes from the place of sales is noble as long as you're solving someone's problem. Right. And if every sales dialogue is communicated by the filter of how can I help you to do that faster and easier? Mm -hmm. It's where a lot of the writing begins to take care of itself. And there's a segment of that audience that when they hear that now sees the value and now either subscribes to the podcast or downloads a resource or joins a program. And I will say there is a segment of that audience that I'll phrase it this way, sincerely wish them the best, but are so set in that way. And there's a brand of what I've nicknamed unstoppable confidence, where you just completely embrace the fact that there's going to be a segment of people out there that what you do just isn't going to be for them. Totally. hundred percent. Yeah. I think yeah. that's, it's great advice for sure. And as soon as you embrace that, you know, the metaphor I love is the dog whistle that if you blow the dog whistle at the dog park and assuming your dog has been trained to respond to that, you don't want every dog running. You yeah. want the one that's the right fit for you, which is likely the one you're already owning. So many great insights today, man. And I, I love even that last analogy, which I'm going to shamelessly steal and <laughs> use myself. Uh, it's great. Jason, we're, we're about out of time today. Tell me, like, what do you? What's the next big thing you're working on? Especially for like people who are listening, who are like, "Man, I gotta, I gotta find out more about this guy, but maybe even work with this guy." What's What's coming up for you that people can check out? Um, how can they follow you? Like, what are the next steps? Yeah, let me share a free resource with everybody here, which is that we've been talking about structuring a message. We've been talking about sequencing of influential patterns. One of the things that built my business better than anything else. And this is my moment, like the movie, The Graduate with uh, the family member telling the Dustin Hoffman character, you need one thing to be successful. And in the movie, the line was plastics. In my respect, it's video. The one thing that has driven the needle of business better than anything else is that of creating video mm. to communicate directly to an audience as if you're speaking to one person who needs to hear that message more than anyone else. And there's a learning curve, of course, to video. Yet, as I polled my clients, my consulting students, people who attended my workshops over the years, I'd ask the question, and I'd do this at a very specific point to say, hey, let's call this out. Now that you're signed up, you had a lot of options. There's a lot of other directions you could have gone, whether it's just reading a book or taking someone else's course or hiring another provider. Why did you choose me? And as I started to hear the same consistent answer, I had to lean into these strategies and unpack what was making it work. 
because the feedback was, I already know you. Mm. I did a workshop at a convention uh, a couple of years back. And luckily this moment worked. If it hadn't have worked, it would have been awkward as hell. Was I was doing a presentation based upon the resource I'm about to share with you here. And I said, let me just set the foundation for this presentation. We'd be talking about structuring your message in a video so that your audience takes action. Though just as a test here, hold your hand up if you already know me. And in the room, 90% of the hands went up. Wow. And I went, oh, good, because that would have been embarrassing if it didn't work. <laughs> so now that we've proven this works, let me now explain it to you. So it's yeah. a strategy that I now call the video influence system. And it's a seven-point checklist in terms of how we structure the sequence of our message to, again, draw people into a narrative and, again, have them wanting more and invite your audience to care. Mm-hmm. before you ever ask them to listen, and especially before you ever ask them to take the next step. So it's about finessing that rapport, building that communication structure. We've put this together as a free on-demand training. It's at jasoninfluence.com. I don't ask people to try to spell my last name, uh, but just go to jasoninfluence.com. That's where you can get that free on-demand video yeah, okay. influence training. I also invite, I do a podcast, Hypnotic language hacks. So everywhere podcasts can be found, podcast players, YouTube as well. Just do a search. You'll find me there. We do a mixture of interviews and often again, peeling back the curtain and teaching the specific strategies of how this works and how we can embed movement inside of our message. That's again, hypnotic language hacks. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put the link to that podcast in the episode description as well. Uh, Jason, this has been an awesome episode, man. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights. So intuitive, so practical, and it's great advice. So thanks yeah, for being thanks here today. Thanks for the invite and uh, thanks for sharing the stage here as well. Always great when it's a conversation rather than just an interview. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, especially like when you give a really insightful answer and, and the other the person interviewing goes, great, uh, next question. And then you're <laughs> like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so no, it was great. So thanks again. Hey, for our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, what the heck are you waiting on? Don't forget to click that follow button or that subscribe button and continue to follow the podcast wherever you are. And also don't forget, if you enjoy the podcast and you want to support the podcast, you can do that at our Patreon for as little as the price of a cup of coffee. You can support the podcast and great guests like Jason coming on, sharing their wisdom, sharing their insights. Again, that's at our Patreon at patreon.com slash good advice. And lastly, don't forget we are updating our podcast three times a week. Make sure that you're continuing to follow us and check out more guests for 2022. We have amazing people lined up and we're continuing to give you the practical, tangible, no-fluff perspective on how you can run and grow your business better. That's today's good advice. I'll catch you later. See ya.